Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Rachel. And I'm Roberta. And it's time for your weekly update on the royal news you need to know. A couple of royal reminders before we dive in. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group at Royally Obsessed. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a royal rating of five stars. Please. It would be our Merry Please. Christmas to us. <laughs> Christmas. Yeah, speaking of, the best two, two weeks away. I can't believe how fast it's coming up. And Hanukkah is this week. So, Rachel, big question. Are you done with your Christmas shopping? I am 60% done. I'm actually well, – That's made, good. Yeah, I've done well. Actually, tonight and tomorrow and this week basically is when I'm going to really buckle down and just get all those orders because I think Friday is like really the cutoff. I'm nervous about shipping. Are you? I just saw – I just saw December 18th, but that was just for Rothy's, which <laughs> – I don't know. That's so specific, but no. But you should actually make a cheat sheet for your favorite brands of when their yeah. cutoffs are. I feel like the one I'm most nervous about is Artifact Uprising because I love to do their little photo books for people, and <gasps> such uh, a good idea. And I just feel like that's where you really got to get it in, right? Because it's yeah, a lot of processing time and yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's. And I think for I think Amelia Noy said December 10th. So when this episode airs yeah. the day of Row Rose, in case you want to order something order. from her. Yeah. Or it's a 2021 um, gift. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. Well, we have a kind of a lot to dig into. But first, our new royal baby is on the way. I'm so excited that two royal babies next year. I know. And that news broke this morning, which was so exciting. I feel like just to know, yeah, it's the things that we're looking forward to in 2021 keep getting, uh, keep you know, piling extending, up. expanding. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Mike Tyndall announces Zara Tyndall is having a baby next year. He announced it on Good, Bad, and the Rugby podcast. Interesting way to announce it. I feel like that wasn't confirmed with Zara before. Well, yeah, I think he said that he didn't tell Zara that he was going to talk about it. <laughs> He's like <laughs> low-key telling 150K listeners. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel weird about that. Like, she's probably like, um, you did what now, honey? Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. But yeah, so he also addressed Zara's miscarriages. So she's had two, one in 2016 and one before becoming pregnant with Lena, now two. And they're also uh, mom and dad to Mia, who's six. So um, he also talked about some possible names, which I thought was hilarious. He said Covey or Covina in homage to uh, <laughs> the year that we've serious. had. <laughs> I, I saw that and I was like, no, no, please, no. <laughs> this poor child cannot be named Covey or Covina. No. Um, but jokes, I do think, jokes. you know, yeah, the, it's interesting though, the miscarriage, you know, him, his mentioning of that on the heels of Megan's op-ed. I thought yeah. that was really kind of like, you know, opening the conversation up just as she did. Well, yeah, I mean, he brings such awareness. I mean, both all of talking about it and putting it in a, such a public forum, it makes it feel so much more, you know, it happens to so many women, so. Right, and he, he said he's hoping for a boy. 
which is funny to say. I know. Again, like, the, like, he's on a podcast and he just, like, lets this news slip that they're expecting a third child. And then he's like, oh, and we want a boy after two <laughs> girls. I don't know. It just feels – it's it's kind of really But he funny. did add that he would be happy no matter what. So okay. <laughs> well done, Mike. Good thing you slipped yes. that in. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're also – coming up on this episode, we're also talking about the Royal Train Tour that the Cambridges took this week, Megan and Harry buying a Christmas tree. And we have two very special guests on the show this week, Sally Muir and Joanna Osborne, who are the owners of Warm and Wonderful, a.k.a. the creators of that original Princess Diana sheep sweater that Rachel is now proud of. Oh, of. So, so obsessed. And it was such a fun conversation to talk to them about the Rowing Blazers collaboration and everything they have going on and more details about Diana's sweater. I, I keep thinking that we know the full story and then there's ev- ever more tidbits about this sweater that keep coming out. It's been like the trajectory of our year. <laughs> so it feels <laughs> it really like a, the ultimate capstone on talking about it. Yep, exactly. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. All right, well, what are you sipping, Roberta? Because this is an early AM recording, and I just couldn't go in on the cocktail. I had big plans, actually, to make a French 75 because I had, like, St. Germain, and I had uh, a little bit of bubbly and all this stuff, but I am sipping water. That's so embarrassing. (laughs) No, it's not. No, it's not. I feel like – and I have iced coffee, and I feel like this time of year there's so much – drinking and festivities and you know i do think that like we can give ourselves a break give ourselves every a so break. often I yeah know. because it's of work and all this stuff and i feel like cramming for the holidays it's, it gets so busy right before a break so yeah it's nice that we'll we're cut just, ourselves some you know, slack yeah exactly please forgive <laughs> us <laughs> yeah yes but you well, know cheers to whatever you, yes. you listeners have yes cheers i hope you have my a lovely g&t yeah you? yeah i can hear the <laughs> ice like, cubes yeah <laughs> While we're sipping, we're going to go over a reader email that we received from Alina in Hungary. She says, Hi, Rachel and Roberta. I've been a follower of the podcast for a very long time now. I love the former hosts, Caitlin and Lisa, and love you too and your enthusiasm regarding everything royal. I'm glad I found Royally Obsessed. Your podcasts make my day. So I just wanted to let you know that you have fans from a small country like mine too. Keep up the good work, girls. I loved this note. It's so crazy how far-reaching our Roro community is. I know. Roro's around the world. I feel like that needs to be like an ongoing <laughs> segment around the or world? something. Rose. Roros. <laughs> I, I made it just Rose. <laughs> Can you tell it's really early? Yes. It's not very, early. very early. Uh, all right. Yeah. I love that note. Thank you, Thank Alina, you for, for writing, writing us. In. And now for This Week in Royal History. And now... This week in royal history. So December 9th, 1992, flashing back to the separation of the Prince and Princess of Wales, announced by British Prime Minister John Major. The news came in a nationally televised appearance before a hushed House of Commons. He read a seven-sentence long statement from Buckingham Palace that the couple were separating amicably, that... Though there had been years of tabloid speculation, obviously, particularly when Diana and Charles would go abroad on separate vacations, they'd stay in separate rooms. So there had been all this speculation, and we know, you know, with listening to your Wrong About podcast, I don't know if anyone else has listened to that, and, you know, just knowing that 
there had been so much tension for so long. So it was kind of expected, but also a surprise in a a way. Um, He said the prince and princess only intended to live separately while jointly rearing their two sons. Prince William was 10 at the time and Harry was eight. And it's the same year, if you remember 1992, that Andrew Morton's book, Diana, Her True Story, had come out in May. So very, you know, tumultuous year. It was the Queen's Annus Horribilis this year, which is the year that Princess Anne was also divorced and Prince Andrew was separated. So, you know, Prince Edward wasn't even married yet. So basically all of her children that were married have now ended their marriages. Big deal. Yeah, definitely a rough year for sure. Yeah. Really rough year. I always think it's so staggering how early they announced their separate, or not how early, but they announced their separation and then they didn't divorce till almost four years later. Yeah, it was a long, it was kind of a long period of not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. So the prime minister, John Major, who wanted to cushion the blow, emphasized that the royal couple didn't intend to divorce and would continue to carry on their royal and constitutional duties separately as the future king and queen of England, which is so weird to kind of picture. And we all know how this turned out. Obviously, you just said that they divorced in 1996, but like to be like, no, they're not going to, we'll just have two separate people ruling the country. I don't know. It's a very complicated feeling that that was sort of the original idea of how it would play out. They put like a Band-Aid over the situation. They were mm-hmm. like, this will be fine. We're all fine. Nothing. And it's like that meme <laughs> of the dog and like, a, yeah, like that little cartoon dog in a burning room. And it's like, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Things are burning around us. Um, <laughs> but so both the prime minister and the palace insisted that the line of succession would be unaffected. And he even told parliament there was nothing in the decision to prevent the Princess of Wales from someday being crowned queen consort, which is wild. Because then people were like, wait, will they have boyfriends and girlfriends and be living in the palace like with their other you know their other significant other in the future or whatever so very strange situation the church of england also issued a statement saying the prince as the future king would still preside as head of the church despite the break of his marriage which you know giving their kind of stamp of approval on that um I love this quote from the New York Times um, describing kind of the feeling in the UK as as the announcement was made. This is from December 1992, New York Times. It says, on street corners, in pubs, and in the corridors of Parliament tonight, there were heartfelt expressions of sympathy for Queen Elizabeth II after a year she herself last month described as Annas Horribilis. I feel like they also described that kind of as last year when Harry and Meghan decided they wanted to step down from their duties Mm -hmm. and the Prince Andrew scandal emerged and the BBC horrible interview with him. So I know the queen has lived, I mean, in her 94 years, what she's experienced, what she's sort of that even keel that she's exhibited through all of these, you know, rocky times. It's just, it's remarkable how, you know, she just keeps looking forward and, you know, navigating all of this, all of this change and I guess hiccups. Can you call them hiccups? <laughs> Major <Yeah>. hiccups <laughs> in yep. the plans. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Oh gosh, it's great lining up with the crown. I like that that royal history moment. <laughs> I know we want to go back and fact check the crowns. This is yeah. This, this uh, is a great uh, yeah. precursor to that. Right. So a good amount of news this week. We got a tip, a hot tip that Harry and Meghan have officially bought their 2020 Christmas tree. So we. Previously had the big reveal that the of the Queen's Windsor Castle decorations, their 20-foot Norway spruce at St. George's Hall, which those visuals were 
I feel like they're stunning. They're somehow making us feel the Christmas spirit, even when we're not able to have Christmas as we typically do with the royal family. But then from an employee at this tree barn that was unnamed in Santa Barbara, he happened to see Harry and Meghan shopping there just last week, and he took to Twitter and shared the good good word in a now-deleted post, which always makes me laugh because it's like they share it, and they probably shouldn't, and then they take it down. So I don't know what the backstory but of that is. But then it gets screenshotted like all, all over, over the internet, and, and it goes viral. it's not ever gone. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the point of deleting it now is, yeah. is kind of pointless. But. Exactly, exactly. But so he revealed that they were seen spot, you know, out shopping, and then he also talked about a funny run-in that they had. He said there was one family in there and their stoked little son ran through trees up to Harry and asked if he worked there, not knowing who it was. So I thought that was really (laughs) endearing and cute because I'm sure Harry, knowing how much he loves kids, probably loved that interaction. I mean, it's like to that kid, it's like, just get us our Christmas tree. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, what are you doing? What are you doing? Standing there with (laughs) you in the mask. Yeah. I'm sure they were all wearing masks. So and I just, I'm sure that it, this is the first time Harry's been, you know, kind of mistaken for someone who works at <laughs> at the place that he's visiting. So I, I thought know, that was really funny. That's know. happened to Kate though too at a garden center. Oh, that's someone right. Went up to that's her right. And was like, oh, um, like are these plants the ones that like last all year? And she's like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that sort of you're in the zone. It feels very like New Yorker to me. You're just kind yes. of like you know you're doing your thing. But exactly. it is it is kind of funny because I think just looking back to, to uh, when Harry and Meghan first bought a, were spotted in 2016 picking up a tree together at Pins and Needles in the UK. So I feel like they definitely seem to have a tradition of shopping together. And even in a pandemic, they carried that out. So you know, I liked I like this. Um, you know, non-visual visual of them buying a tree. <laughs> Same. I And I also like picturing their, I'm sure, their gorgeously decorated house. We oh know, my gosh, you know, yeah. with Megan's former blogging days, I'm sure everything looks picture perfect. It must feel so uh, great for them to A, own their own home. They've been kind of nomads this whole year since last December. You know, they were in Canada staying at someone else's place and now to have roots firmly in Montecito and to be able to decorate it and have your first Christmas as a family together. It's it's so meaningful. It's meaningful. I feel like, yeah. yeah. It's really it's really the best. I feel like that nothing will ever come close to that very first Christmas in your first like forever home. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well moving on. So we spotted the Cambridges a lot this week because of their Choo-choo. Royal train <laughs> sound effects today. Was that good? Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> if only I could have brought a real train whistle. Uh, but <laughs> next the, time. Yeah. The Royal Train Tour was a three-day tour of the UK, 1,250 miles. They really covered it all. It was their first Royal Train trip as a couple. And I didn't realize this, but it's Kate's first time ever on the Royal Train, which I thought was really kind of crazy because Megan actually had her first engagement with the Queen on the royal train. So was like, it also William's first time or was it it was their first time together? It was their first time together. William had been on the royal train before from what I understand, but Kate had had not. So wow. this was kind of really new for her. Um it's funny though, People magazine describes it as quite humbly furnished. You know, you think of this train as like the Polar Express, but like more beautiful and lavish and covered in like velvet walls, but it's really not. So in the nine carriage train, there are single beds. So it's just twin beds. A 12 setting for mica topped table fills the dining car. And that's really it. And there's the staff rooms, which have little twin beds. And you can see pictures of the staff rooms, and they're very modestly decorated. And then but you can't see pictures of the royals rooms, obviously. But, you know, I would think that they're not 
even that lavish anyway from this description so it's i don't know it's just it's funny because it's like they're they're a little bit rough in it even though this is one of the most expensive modes of transportation but it feels so like classic and old school like i love the idea of traveling across the country on it on by rail like for me that's so romantic i did doesn't it feel really christmassy too it's like it does yeah i don't know like i just think of the polar express every time just so can i tell you when i was preparing for this episode it was late i was working i was reading some stories and i kept for some reason, my eyes were like glazing over a little. And instead mm-hmm. of Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, I read it as Duke and Duchess of Christmas. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, that's it felt, what they are. I felt appropriate for this tour. It really does. So, you know, they the outfits. I guess we should go to the outfits. Yeah, now let's talk about that. Talking of Christmas, they really went full force. Kate wore five different royal rewear coats and paired them, and even William paired them with some tartan and plaid scarves. Um, I just felt I it felt so festive yeah. looking at these pictures. It was red coat, the red coat, which you love. I love the Alexander McQueen coat that she wore. Stunning. And it, it made me think of Megan's Centillar coat, which I'm is still on my Christmas list for this year. I'm begging yes. my family, but it's, <laughs> it's way out of my budget, of course. But uh, And her Amelia Wickstead midi skirt, which is also plaid, which she wore for that fabulous holiday party in 2018. There was the fake snow everywhere and oh. stuff. So she rewore that. Um, There's a plaid mask by, also by Amelia I really Wickstead. liked that switch. I thought that that was really exciting because she's worn the Amaya masks consistently during this whole pandemic whenever we've seen her in a mask. And so to see that sudden flip, I've been on the fence about buying a holiday mask. And now I'm like, you know what? I, I want one. it. <laughs> That's a good one. And it's silk too. So it's really, it's really luxurious. Um, so let's talk about the stops though. So day one was, I guess day one technically was when they got on the train at Euston Station in London, but we're calling day one the first day of their trip. So Edinburgh, Newbridge, Berwick-upon-Tweed, Batley, and Manchester. Five different places. Wow. Two countries. Like, absolutely wild yeah. how much they did in this short amount of time. And none of it was announced ahead of time, right? I thought that was really interesting that they yeah. just to kind of help, like, not have too many crowds and things like that. It was exactly not a formalized itinerary. Yeah, so each stop was kept secret so as not to attract crowds, which I thought was smart. Um, but, you know, we will get into some of the criticism about the trip because it, you know, as even though that they, you know, didn't want to attract crowds, there was still a lot of people in the pictures, which yeah. it's like everyone found out about it. And there was, you know, photo ops and things. And so didn't they want had to miss to the kind opportunity. Of, yeah. Right. And they had to kind of like stage or, or get some of those people ready for their arrival. Mm-hmm. So there definitely was, you know, quite a bit of people. It's not like, like one or two people just hanging out. So mm-hmm. there also was a bands playing Christmas music at nearly every stop, which I thought was really interesting because I feel like music is one of those things where they're like, if you're in a room, a closed room singing really loudly, you know, like that can be really risky. So, I, you know, that was just most kind of, of the a bands were outside, thing. right? They were they were all outside. Yeah. yeah. So they mo- every event was outside pretty much. So yeah. Kind of, uh, I guess, okay there. But so the morning of day one, the announcement came that Kate and William had both become joint patrons of NHS Charities Together, a group of 240 UK charities for the NHS that provide extra funding and additional services above and beyond the NHS core funds. Big announcement the morning of, and then they're, you know, meeting healthcare workers and essential workers and children. I thought it was funny, though. So the there's a reindeer 
photo op with these school children and the palace arranged that two weeks ago so i think that's when they really had started first thinking about it so this wasn't planned for very long wow. and it i read somewhere that was actually the cambridge's idea they were like let's spread holiday cheer and let's like go greet essential workers and we really need to boost the morale of everyone here i will say that that aspect of it was a huge success i did yeah. feel i know that there's a lot of criticism towards the cambridges on this just in terms of the stage of their lockdown and how they just kind of came out of it and but I think that their role is to uplift the country. And so seeing that, I think they did it in a way that felt pretty safe watching it. I didn't feel as scared except when we saw the bands. I think that was where I'm like, oh, a lot of spit is flying, but but it is interesting that it was kind of last minute. They were very yeah, consistent they with were their good mask with wearing. Mask. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. A lot of the photos there. Even outside they wore them. Yep. Yep. So I do think, you know, but then the weird thing is, is like, then they see the queen right after and they've been traveling to three different countries. So I think, I mean, let's get into it now, because I think that the bad PR was really that England had just gone from tier three, which is highest level, like red alert to tier two on December 2nd. So just four or five days ago. So it was, you know, it's feels like, oh, they just dropped the restrictions down to not it's not even like, oh, we're all clear. Tier two is like still orange alert, like very high, you yeah. know, chance that, you know, lockdown could occur. So they could be going back to tier three again soon is what I read. And yeah. it's, so it just was like weird timing. I think that was the the problem here is the, the timing is not great. So Scotland and Wales are under tough restrictions as well. Only essential workers and charity volunteers are permitted to cross the borders in and out of the two countries. Mm-hmm. I guess if you consider this them meeting with charities, then it's they are doing charity work. And I, I think that is how they kind of framed this. Um, I know that the palace sources said the tour was carefully planned to follow all the guidelines. They organized it in consultation with the UK and the Scottish and Welsh governments. But, you know, Wales's health minister said it wasn't necessary. There was tons of Twitter backlash for Kensington Palace. I think I'm so conflicted because I feel like I think sometimes they're like damned if they do, damned if they don't, because I think they did follow precautions and their job is leadership, you know? And I think we – if they just hold up in the palace, we'd probably – shame them for that. So I think that they did it in a really sensible way. And it didn't evoke the same nerves as when we saw, say, William and the Queen walking at that event maskless. Like, I think that they seem to follow the precautions. But I'm – I know it's, you know, it's it's still very scary what's going on. Like, it's everyone should be at home, but I think that the morale aspect of it seemed sensible or logical to me. I'm probably I wrong. I don't know. No, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're right. And they did follow, you know, they did follow precautions. And But <laughs> so Kate met with this man named Len Gardner, who she had chatted with for the NHS volunteer responder check-in and chat. And he is not wearing his mask correctly. Just I did notice that. His nose. Get that <laughs> nose back in there. Tuck it in. Yeah, anyone wearing a mask, pull it above your nose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. But that, it was so sweet that they got to actually meet in person because they've talked over the phone twice. And they actually talked about pasta making and Len told Kate to Duchess Cambridge that he didn't have the proper flour or a pasta machine to make his favorite pasta and the proper flour and uh, pasta arrived at his doorstep from Buckingham Palace. I thought that was really, really sweet. And so they connected and like had this wonderful conversation. Um, You know, Kate's 
outfits as I want to mention again, like the trousers, loved that look. Love the Fair Isle sweater with the floral. I mask. loved that. I looked that up. I was like, I can't buy myself another fancy sweater this year, but I loved it. It's still in stock. Yeah, and the the coat with the blue satin lining too was amazing. So it it really it's it did what it set out to do, which is that it, it really kind of spread Christmas cheer in a time where everyone is, you know struggling and and not sure when they'll see their family members again over the holidays and and so I think that they did you know accomplish that and then they ended at Windsor Castle for an engagement with the queen and everyone was socially distanced mm-hmm. and spread out which was great and it is her first is the queen's first engagement with her family since the pandemic so she I mean she was beaming she looked she looked amazing. radiant amazing yes. and her red coat I loved it um I do think, though, too, this is what we wanted all year. We wanted all of these photo moments of the Cambridges, of the Queen, and to finally have it at the end of the year, it's like it's like a sigh of relief almost. Yeah, and because we won't have Sandringham this year, to see everyone lined up, you know, the the majority of the family, you know, we need to mention that Andrew was noticeably absent. I mean, obviously absent as well. Like, he's kind of, you know – got to stay out of those photo ops yeah, for stay, him. Right. Uh, but to doors. see, you know, Sophie and Edward, Kate and William, the Queen, and then uh, Charles and Camilla, it was just a real – and they were socially distanced outside, so they were still following the protocols there. But everyone just looked so festive and celebratory, and they were honoring all the volunteers that was such a delight. <laughs> such a delight. And I think, too, like, if we're looking at, like, bookending the year, this mm-hmm. is the perfect bookend for this year. We started – well, the last family photo we really got I, when I looked back at pictures was Remembrance Day on the balconies and similar, like, spacing and socially distance and all of that. But then the beginning of the year, the family photo that we get is Commonwealth Day. And I feel like that, you know – kind of was a somber moment with Harry and Meghan's last kind of formal engagement. And it's interesting, too, because Meghan was wearing green and Kate was wearing red. And now the Queen is wearing red and Kate is wearing green. But they look so happy. And, you know, I think to to be together, the Queen was just just so radiant. She had this beautiful silk scarf on um, and coordinating red hat and coat. So it kind of looked like candy cane-ish. I thought that was a cool little, yeah. like, <laughs> very Except Christmassy. I zoomed in because I'm, like, uh, weird about this, and I zoomed in, and it has this, like, really cool gemstone print, and oh, I can't wow. find it anywhere. I think it's, like, it must be, like, a vintage Maybe designer's yeah. silk scarf. It's really beautiful, though. Well, and I also felt like that visual was also gave me the confidence that we are going to be okay. We're going to get through this. I think we also, you know, got this week the news that the queen is on the cusp of getting the vaccine herself, as is Prince Philip. And we don't know how that's going to play out, what order she'll get it, if we'll get a visual on that from her, just as a, you know, statement to the nation that she is getting it. But I think it's a it was a nice bookend, as we said. Yeah. Oh, and we did also hear from uh, Kate and William about their Christmas plans, that they're still really up in the air. Someone asked them about what they're doing, and they right. mentioned that. So, Oh, yeah. It was at a <laughs> – one of the stops they did a Secret Santa exchange. I just want to mention this because it's really funny. So Kate got a traditional Welsh love spoon, which is like a wooden spoon um, that she really looked – excited over and then William got a Guinness beer coaster game which is like uh, they call it like beer mats flip game or something and he said so this says a lot about me as a person that someone <laughs> chose to give that to him which I thought was really funny but yes yeah, the, the students asked him that I think it was University of 
of Cardiff students asked him about their plans and they said they still are kind of figuring it out. But it's I think it, I read somewhere that they'll spend it with the Middletons this year. So that makes but sense. Prince yeah. Charles will see the queen is what I've read, too. So she will have some some family. You know, company there so that's good that's good yeah, but yeah. well done Cambridge's on social media too capturing this whole tour it's been so fun to have the Christmas music everything has been so festive and and the videos the real the VIP are, is David yeah. Watkins their social media guy <laughs> the transitions of videos are just great too yeah. so I think it gets our stamp of approval this time and now we're so excited to intro and in our conversation with Sally and Joanna of Warm and Wonderful and the Sheep Sweater fame Row Rose today is a very special occasion as we're joined by Sally Muir and Joanna Osborne, founders of the knitwear brand Warm and Wonderful and the original designers behind the black sheep sweater, famously worn by Princess Diana in the early days of her royal tenure. The sweater has very recently experienced a resurrection, not only on the crown, but also thanks to rowing blazers, which worked together with Muir and Osborne to recreate the original. All this is to say it is an honor to have the two of you with us today. So thrilled to have you you. both. Thank you. So first, where are you both joining us from? Um, I'm in Bath in the west of England. I'm in Brighton on the south coast by the seaside. How are you guys holding up during this wild and crazy year? (laughs) Well, quite well in a way because we work pretty much on our own. I mean, we're obviously connected, but we're in different places. So in a way, life is quite similar to what it often has been for years, but... You know, it's it's a you know dire situation, absolutely terrible, but we're coping. But yes, day to day, it's not so different from our it's normal lives, really. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As I said, we're so thrilled to have you, though. I I'm wearing this sweater that you guys yes. brought back, which is very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I had to I had to dress the part. Well done. Well done. Getting one. <laughs> yeah. And I just tried to copy with just a red sweater. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it works. It's festive. Well, yeah. We've got a few here, only a few. <laughs> well, we wanted to ask first off how surreal this past year has been for you seeing your black sheep sweater design experience this sort of rebirth um, with, you know, rowing blazers. Can you tell us how you came up with the original design and kind of uh, the origin story there? Gosh, well, it was it was one of our very first six designs that we ever did back in 1979 <laughs> a very very long time ago um and we originally did it on green in fact um and yeah it had a sort of slow you know we we always oh, always sold quite well but it was pretty slow we had a market stall and we used to sell a few and then suddenly one day in fact joe went to the um went to the news agent and saw princess diana wearing it on the front of a newspaper and we had no idea that was the first we knew of it. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a massive surprise. <laughs> Wonderful surprise. Mm. That That's must amazing. have been so surreal to see that. And it's like the days before mm. social media where it's just like, yeah. that's how you kind of find out. Yeah, it was a really exactly. different time. And actually, people didn't link us with the jumper for a few weeks. It was a very sort of slow development it wasn't like now where it's kind of instant, it happens overnight. Yes, it and was, you, um, you would, you'd sell out immediately, wouldn't you now? 
exactly. nobody really knew it was ours. Exactly, but slowly people got to know, and then and then the press the press got involved, and then you know then it then it sort of snowballed quite rapidly. Yeah. And how did you come up with that design? I mean, I feel like that's something that we've always wondered. Is yeah, like what's you the said significance was, of that right. black sheep? I think it was partly because we wanted to enjoy ourselves and it was sort of our designs reflected our having fun with our business. We were really young. We just wanted to have a good time. It was the era of the witty knit too, wasn't exactly. it? We it did a lot of was. we did we a very... lot of jokey jokey clothes, um, lots of puns. We had lots of fun with our business really didn't we yeah we did sort of we did one of our first things was brick wall jumpers and then we graffiti lovingly graffiti in the evenings people's sayings on the back of brick wall jumpers and things and it was very much we were in the vanguard of witty knits but the black sheaf itself is 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 symbol where it's part that's how a flock sort of it happens in a flock is that i was reading on your website yes yes Yes, to do with a recessive gene. Yeah, we're not quite sure about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was so. Yeah, I thought it was so interesting that it was like in in a typical herd, you'll see it is a recessive gene and it can happen. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And you do see. I mean, I keep seeing them around here, quite a rural part of the country. And actually, I saw a whole flock of black sheep with one white sheep the other day. So you know, it kind of happens both ways. Although obviously more commonly with the white sheep and one black. And that would make a fabulous sweater as well. It have. would. Yeah, it would. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can't remember. Did mm. we ever do that in the old no, days? We, we never didn't. did. It's very we odd that we did. didn't. Um, I, I know. Why didn't we capitalize <laughs> I on that? I can't imagine why we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> now, you, you still, do you have any sense of how it got into Princess Diana's hands, the sweater? Uh, a vague one. Only vague, it's speculation. But we um we had a shop by by nineteen eighty one. We had a little shop which was pretty chaotic. It was our workshop, but people could come in and buy things. And we did develop quite a kind of loyal following. We think it was one of the mothers of one of her page boys at the wedding, who bought it for her and gave it to her before the wedding. That's what we think. Wow. But we've never really known for sure. But that's we've just kind of tracked traced it back to her. But we could have just not be true at all. <laughs> We've decided that's, a, that's yeah. what it is. She could have sent somebody in to buy it secretly for her. Yeah. She could. She could. And it recently came to light that she had actually two. Yeah, that's right. Can you tell us about that? Well, <laughs> what happened was the first one. We had a we had a letter we had a letter from her private secretary saying that the, she'd managed to damage the first one. We always thought probably with her engagement <laughs> ring because she had it when she was engaged. Oh, yeah. She had that enormous <laughs> rock, you know. Caught in and, the threads. Um, <laughs> she wasn't used to it all, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And the threads, exactly. It had threads on the inside, were much looser than on the one that you've got, actually. Jack has improved it. Um, and so wow. it said that she loved it and could we possibly mend it? And so they sent it back to us and we thought, it's just a bit shoddy to send her with a sort of cobbled together mended jumper. So we made her a new one. So that's why she had two. And the sheep turn out to be in different places. Yeah, and that was how it was kind of, that's how it was recently recognised. Yeah. Elizabeth oh, Holmes was, in her yeah. new book. Most yeah. people yeah. have never she noticed it. She was very, very <laughs> on to it. And Jack noticed too. But that's the first time in 40 years that anybody's said anything. 
Wow, that's like a little secret you guys had tucked away. Exactly. Yeah. And then we were outed. Exactly. (laughs) But when she wore your phone, must I mean, did your phone start ringing off the hook? Did you start getting mail? Because it wasn't, it took a little while to ID. Yeah, we did. And we, we, um, yes, we just got mail, sackfuls of posts every day. Literally, the postman would come in like Father Christmas with a sack on his back and just empty yeah, letters was... all over our shop, and we'd just slowly open oh them. I think gosh. employing our friends' children at times too. <laughs> <laughs> were the letters just compliments? Were they orders? What were, yes, what were the topic of the letters? Requests for a catalogue. We rushed out a little catalogue. I mean, literally just a pamphlet, and then um, and then orders. So a combination, really. It's interesting because you said it was originally in green as well, but I'm sure everyone was ordering exactly. the red as soon as they saw exactly. yeah. red. So yeah. it took <laughs> sold over. out of that. took over yeah. massively. Yeah. Were there any other colors or just those two? Oh, yeah. yeah. We did loads of colors. We did blue, gray, um, pink. pink. Yeah. Maroon. Yeah, I think there yeah. was maroon. Yeah, a whole we, selection. The red has overshadowed them totally. all. Totally. Yes. Yes. Completely. And I think, in fact, it looks really good on Zoom. <laughs> It's very good. Yes. Yeah. I, it's I'm very really good. Yes. <laughs> really good. As I model it for you guys, I really was so excited to wear it. So in your, it's ideal for now. <laughs> it looks great on Instagram too. Yes. Rachel's posted pictures. Are so uh, <laughs> it's such. It's just such an iconic piece. Like I think that to me, when you know, I've followed Princess Diana forever, and I feel like just it's the one. For me, it's the look that stands out the most about her. Oh, really, it's my favorite. So it was. Gosh. It's. Through my tenure on this podcast, I've talked about it a good amount. So when it actually this 2.0 version came out, it was very exciting. Well, and I think, too, you know, we want to talk about the sweater, like we mentioned with its singular black sheep, didn't carry the weight that it did. But now that we know, you know, kind of mm, this exactly. fairy tale of Diana, um, it has so much more symbolism. So, you know, how does that make you guys feel as far as like, this is such a defining piece for her yes but that was sort of entirely accidental really wasn't it I mean that's been that's with hindsight it kind of gives it an extra layer of interest I suppose Mm -hmm. I also I think the first time she wore it she was really young it was very fresh she was you know newly engaged and I think she just wore it because she liked kind of fun things but I wonder if the second time she wore it two years later I think she did use her clothes to kind of express how she felt. Yes, perhaps she was signaling. I think maybe she help. was a little bit Get more, me out of a little bit more <laughs> aware, aware of the consequences of what she wore, perhaps. Yes, definitely not the first time. Yeah. Again, speculation. Total speculation. Yeah, speculation. For sure. Yeah. I know we can't really know. Um, well, so let's talk about the collaboration with Jack Carlson and Rowing Blazers. How did that come about? Um, well, he emailed us about two years ago because his mother used to buy our jumpers. He lived for a short while in London when he was a child and her mother, his mother used to buy our jumpers and he remembered the black sheep jumper. And I think it just sat in his mind, back of his mind. And he's and he approached us literally by email. And so but it's taken a long time to actually get to making them. It was, you know, we went through various different production processes and checking them and originally we were going to make them and then he decided to make them, which is a much more sensible thing. Thank goodness he's dealing with the orders and we're not having to. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and sort of, uh, uh, and it, that's how, how it happened really. And I, I met him 
one in March in London, but otherwise we hadn't met before. What's great about him is his energy and his total commitment to the project. I mean, he's really done us proud in every possible way. Don't you think, Sam? And also he's involved us because it's been knocked off a lot, this You're so sweat right. out. Yes. And, um, and nobody's sure. ever, you know, asked us if we're, um, to be involved or asked, our, you know, asked their permission or anything. And he has involved us right from the start, which is amazing. But I think that's one of the reasons it's been it's sort of really captured the imagination again this time is because because that we are involved. Yes, we're part of the whole story. And yes. he very much wanted to kind of bring us in and our label and absolutely do a complete replica because he had to make it different to all the other copies that had been around for the last 30 years. Yeah, I feel yeah. like for me, you know, knowing it has your endorsement does carry so much more significance mm, when really? shopping for yeah. it. Yeah. I know. Do you guys get sort of excited? I remember when I think it was Harry Styles wore something that was sort of a nod. Do you guys keep tabs on those moments? or We well, definitely notice that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like, oh, a little nod. doesn't really look anything like ours, but it was nice that no. people thought it was so we had some kind of, you know, contact with it. It's nice that he was channeling Princess Diana. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you guys are happy with version 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, very, it's very. Brilliant. I think it's fantastic. No strands on the no back. No strands. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's your engagement brilliant tradition. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Is uh, the rebirth of the sweater by Rowan Blazers, is that based on the original? I mean, is it like the original pattern exactly? Completely. Is it, okay. Okay. Completely. Wow. They were handmade? Are they still, they're all handmade? They were hand looms. Knit. Sort of work, worked on a, a domestic knitting machine. And now I think they're also hand hand worked on on machines. Actually, they're not. It's not like a sort of great big factory churning yeah, them right. out. Or they would be producing um, them really rapidly. I mean, they, exactly. They, <laughs> the say it takes, it, yeah. they say it takes six hours to make each one. Wow! So it must be hand work. Yeah, that's more imagine. or less what it would have taken us, isn't it? Exactly. In the days. Exactly. Yeah. I was so, going to say my mom knits, so I know that it takes her months to do anything. Oh yeah. Like I was going to say so. six hours hand knitting sounds. <laughs> yeah, like this that, is really. this isn't hand knitting on needles. This is on a machine. Hand so it is so. actually a lot. Yes, I mean to knit that by hand would take you. Well, a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, well, the thing that's amazing, too, is that this re-release is timed perfectly with The Crown. Yes. And I think the excitement around, you know, this season of The Crown focusing on Diana and then to have this sweater come about with rowing blazers, that was that was not planned, though, was it? The no. timing of all this? No. Because yeah, you said two accidental. years ago was when you started. It really was utter coincidence. Very good timing, really though. Lucky. <laughs> really lucky coincidence. Yeah. Well, I want to ask, though, about the crown, because I know I read somewhere, and you can confirm if this is true, that you guys lent an original of the sweater to the costume design team for the show that Emma Corrin wore in the show. So can you tell us a little bit about that and the background behind that? Yes, I, I have a friend who... who um works on the crown and i was staying with her and she said she gave me the email address of the costume department and i um emailed them and i didn't hear for some weeks months and then they contacted us and said we'd like it can you can you send it in so we did <laughs> it was oh, as simple God. as that really the weird thing about it is that they've moved the black sheep on it they must have photoshopped oh. the black sheep because it's right up 
on her shoulder in the in the oh. brief glimpse you get of it in the crown, mm-hmm. which it, it isn't in the one that you've got, is it, Joe? No, no, but she was sitting down, so I suppose they it would have been have obscure. Like I know, it would but, have and been the hidden, attention to detail uh, is amazing. 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 That yeah. they bothered to do that yeah. for a 30-second yeah. wow. appearance. Yeah. And were you on hand to you know kind of oversee that or you just mailed it to the we just mailed and... it to them okay and they um i mean they yes and they they were thrilled they were thrilled to have the ori- an original i'm yeah, sure it's really I'm cool excited. i feel like to see it again or to see it on the small mm. screen must have been really cool to have the original there yeah it was yeah. Yeah. It's great it's are you guys it's very great. into this season are you guys Completely. watching it or Completely. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've only watched three. You've watched the whole lot. I've watched you, the whole Joe? thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm taking it rather Completely. slowly. I'm savoring it as well. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I'm like halfway. Like, <laughs> it's a lot to process too. Yeah. I feel like we need to have breaks in between. Yeah, exactly. But it's quite grim, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. It is. But it's so I I love to see Diana. I think Emma Corrin is doing. She's such so good, job. isn't she? She's really so good. And you, do you know, they, they probably, I mean, I'm sure they kept the original intact for the show, but um, did they ask to, like, you know, alter it for her or, or no? Not at all. Just, no, okay. no. Do they send it back to you? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's here. It it's back. one of these here. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I see, oh, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How many of the originals are there? Or do you have a whole collection of them? We have one. Oh, one. Okay. One. Well, we have wow. the very the very first one, and we have one red one. I've got one here, actually. Have the, you? the colours all run into the white sheep. <laughs> <laughs> so that must be kind of scary to okay. like, send it that off. Like yeah. 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 yeah, I think yeah, it was it's my daughter's. Sheep. I think it was a yeah, uh, a washing, washing mishap. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, it, even that I know. I was gonna say even that's like priceless to us. It's that's really obsessed. It's, totally it's all. I yeah. might put it on eBay. I have a toddler, and I'm scared to wear this in his presence. I feel like it's just like I'm like stay away these little white shoes, <laughs> sticky fingers. <laughs> yeah. So what's next for Warm and Wonderful, and for you both? Well, Warm and Wonderful, we, our knitting business is very very small now, and it's now called Muir and Osborne. We changed. In fact, we changed the name in about 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of wanted to be taken more seriously. <laughs> so, but, um, and the, it's absolutely tiny and we both do different things now. Um, I make ceramic dogs. Sally is an artist. And we, but we've also written a lot of knitting books together over the last 10 years, which are um, knitting pattern books. Oh, wow. Um, mainly um, for animals, particularly dogs. There's a, You can oh. tell there's a bit of a dog theme going on. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> moved on from sheep to dogs. <laughs> That's great. Is there one you, a book you'd recommend for beginners? Like beginners? Uh, We do have one. We It's called Knit Your Own Pet. Although I must oh. say, you do have to be a pretty keen beginner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I definitely want to dabble a little bit more. I've been trying to teach myself over the years, and I'll have to check it out. Yes. What is the name of that book? Knit your own pet. Knit your, your own, own pet. pet. Okay. Yeah, got it. Yeah, Sally. What about you? Just kind of continuing to do the do your art. Yes, yes. I'm I'm painting. I paint a lot of dogs as well. There is oh, a bit of a dog theme. In fact, I've just had a possible commission to paint um, a man and his sheep. Oh, his wow. his favorite sheep out of a flock of a hundred. 
<laughs> which, wow. which will be a first for me. Yeah. <laughs> Very on brand with everything. Right, right. Yeah. The continuation of this story. And did, yeah. he, did he know about the sheep jumper? Was it a connection? I don't know. It's his Was wife has, has asked me. Um, oh. I, I'll have to. I know. That's I don't sweet. know. It's quite That's a touching really idea, sweet. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs> well, we just, it's such a joy again for us to get the chance to talk to you and hear about the origin story of this. So we really appreciate you guys joining us oh, today. Pleasure. Absolutely. Well, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having <laughs> Thank us. Thank you so much for, <laughs> Thank you. for coming on. Thank you. All right, before we adjourn the royal pot, here are our highs and lows. It's time for the royal highs and lows. So my low of the week is the fact that Harry and Meghan had to release yet another statement that says that they're not competing with the monarchy. I feel like they've had to release, you know, there was a recent one about, you know, in relation to William. And I just think, you know, what happened was they had a trademark application that went out and the tabloids picked up on that they were going to be, they wanted to celebrate charitable service, education, science, racial justice, and more. And tabloids picked it up and said that they're going against the Queen's annual honors list, which is not true. And I just feel like this is... You know, it's it's just so ridiculous. Like, why is this keep, you know, they're not competing. And I know I just it kind of is ugh, every time it happens. So and this is also normal business protocol in the U.S. Do you have to file so many paper, so much paperwork to have any yep. anything play out? And, with, and this is all related to Archwell and their intentions. So it was just a low for me. We did get an, a mini update, though, but I'm taking it as a mini update that this is all, you know, we'll hear more news about Archwell in the, quote, weeks ahead. So I hope it really is just a matter of weeks, yeah, before the yeah. launch. But I that do was feel kinda, though, ugh. like every everything they do has to be ripped apart in some way. So it just is. It's so frustrating. Can we not like yeah, attack? Not. You know, it's like we don't even know the full picture yet. We don't know what what this is going to be. It's not. And it's Harry's exactly. grandmother. Like he's not going again. Like he loves her so dearly, and he loves his family. Whatever played out, family drama doesn't remove. Like they're not strategically trying to do any of that yeah it it is really soul crushing to hear that each each time well milo is that queen elizabeth's dorgy vulcan has died so sad especially right after the news of lupo the cambridge's dog passing away at nine years old so the queen is left with just one remaining dog candy which is also a dorgy uh it's her last remaining pet so you know, the queen is said to be upset over the loss, obviously, that occurred last week. And just a reminder that the queen quietly stopped breeding dogs in 2003. And in 2015, she reportedly said she doesn't want any dogs to outlive her. So that's the reason why she's kind of stopped getting them. But such a sad, you know, end of the year for the royal pets. I, I know. Like lost yeah. Two really amazing ones. So. Bummer that's so there. hard for the kids, too, because it's just like they all. I mean, I just remember dogs like in my life and when they pass away it's just really yeah. gutting but maybe a cambridge kid christmas present is a new dog who knows who oh, knows wow what Could james, you imagine uncle if they james got, like, has in store yeah <laughs> uncle james i love it can i call him uncle james yes. that's so creepy always that's no. so creepy because then i talk about having a crush on him <laughs> It's okay. You're the perspective of the kids. It's okay. Uh, my high of the week is this revelation about Kate's favorite emojis in the early years video. Did you see this, Roberta? Yes. That it made me laugh so hard. And I had to rewatch it like many, many times. But it is true. At the bottom of the screen when she's doing the, answering the Q&A, she does flash it at the camera. And you can see sort of a line at the bottom of the picture that shows kind what appears to be her most used emojis. And basically, there's a line if you look very closely. Again, I had to watch it multiple times. There, Eagle eye. These eagle eye roros um but they 
basically you can see like six or seven emojis at the bottom and those include a gust of wind, a woman bowing, sliced up cucumber, a vomiting face, an angry face spewing expletives, and two girls holding hands. I will say watching it, I did not see any, like I really, it, you have to, I don't know how you could zoom in that close and decipher that, but I am imagining that people really know their emojis, but just the thoughts of Kate using those, that sort of string of emojis is such a high. <laughs> Two really angry ones. The vomiting and the angry face are really like, what's And the going woman on? bowing, like that's so on the nose. I can't imagine <laughs> that that's really what it is, but if it is, hilarious. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Um, all right. Well, my high is that the crown's queen, Elizabeth, donated to Kate Middleton's hospice charity. So we heard this week that Olivia Coleman donated a sign script from the crown to an online auction for one of Kate's patronages, East Anglia Children's Hospices. It's one of her first patronages as a royal so really you know meaningful to her it's the the script that olivia coleman donated is for the season four finale which i feel like poignantly is coleman's last ever episode on the crown because obviously they're switching over to a new cast for season five so you know kind of a big deal and and other stars also got in on the donations kate blanchett paul mccartney ed sheeran all donated to this auction that benefits E-A-C-H. So That's so great. Yeah. So lovely. Especially when they like, you know, all these scenes of Kate and William reuniting with the cast of the crown at the BAFTAs usually. I feel like it's good to have this kind of good rapport with yeah, that's so the true. royals. Like, especially when you're acting out this like really hard and tumultuous time period for their family. I think, you know, it's good to be like Um, A little good PR for yourself. I'll donate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll (laughs) donate to your charity. All right. Well, just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal reading. Here is a real review from Kristen G. She says, I, this is a long one, so bear with me. She says, I started listening to this podcast a few months ago. The two hosts I do generally enjoy and love how the podcast is set up, i.e. the Royal Refreshment, This Week in History. I love their guests and how they handle themselves as interviewers. I enjoy how much they love all the royals, despite their flaws. Rachel and Roberta are both fun and bubbly. My main complaint, and why I did three stars, is that the podcast is not fully monitoring their Facebook group. I joined the group recently and was shocked at how much hate there was for the Royal family one of the girls who moderates the site is very outspoken against the royal family yes i said that right if you don't absolutely fall head over heels for harry and megan hate charles and believe the crown is the greatest thing to ever happen then you'll be bullied out or you'll be too afraid to share your opinions it'd be a good idea to be more involved in that group after watching the crown my opinion has not changed about the royal family because we knew all this information beforehand a lot of people who just found out and are in the group are calling for the royals heads although all opinions are welcomed when it comes to the attack you would receive for disagreeing with their stance it's unnerving and inappropriate i do enjoy the two hosts and i believe this time is crucial for them to keep people affectionate towards the royal family please help others continue to love the royal family like i do i do enjoy the two hosts and i believe this time is crucial for them to keep people affectionate towards the royal family please help others continue to love the royal family like i do thanks Kristen, so much for writing this i want to be clear that roberta and i are very much aware of everything that goes on in the Royally Obsessed Facebook group. And we're working with our marketing team to make some changes to um, improve how sort of discussions happen there. Uh, But just I think our bottom line is as we go forward and and make these improvements and try to address these issues, just – if everyone can just prioritize kindness, I think that these discussions do happen and it is a forum for that. But just remember that we're all row rows together and we, you know, opinions differ, but 
but kindness is what counts. So I don't know, yes. Roberta, if you how you feel. <laughs> I, I think that's great. I feel like the bottom line is is be nice to people and um, respect each other in the Facebook group. Respect, yes, exactly. Yes. So reminder to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. You can also email us at info at gallerypodcast.com. Till next week, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.